Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Do you think you know your audience? Well, we're here to challenge that very notion. On today's episode of Growth Hack, we share a story about a failing sports hydration drink that listened to their audience and turned into a multi-million dollar breast milk booster. Brian Alston, the co-founder and CMO of Greater Than, helps us move past the typical advice of understanding your audience into actionable ways to gain useful insights into your target market. Learn what distinguishes a customer from a consumer and what this means for the success of your brand. Welcome, Brian. Hey, Julian. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Well, we got to give a big shout out to Sarah. Thanks, Sarah, for introducing us. Yes, I will buy her coffee or drinks later. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Brian, in our pre-interview, we had a really good conversation. You know, we hear this all the time with Gary Vaynerchuk talking about know your audience, be where your audience is. We're always hearing about this stuff about knowing your audience. And, you know, I've been in marketing for, you know, 15 years, digital marketing for a long time. It it's a lot more nuanced than that. And I think we had a really nice conversation around really what it means to know your audience. So I think you have a great example of this. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so Greater Than is the company I work for now as the chief marketing officer. But I actually started with the company as a consultant three years ago. And back then, they were a sports drink that was really trying to be like a healthy Gatorade. But as you can imagine, that's a very difficult category to compete in. So they came to us basically with a six-month runway, and they said, just do whatever you want. You have full control, test anything. We won't say no to um, any idea because we want to see if there's a way to actually make this excellent product work. Um, But one of the things that we did at the agency was, you know, we, one, brainstormed, like, what does this product actually do? It's been marketed as a sports drink, but... At its core, it's really a hydration drink, a healthy alternative to Pedialyte or to other ju- juices. And we really wanted to figure out who are some other audiences outside of CrossFitters or people who do yoga that could use this. So we did that brainstorm as well as I'm like, we elevated the packaging. Um, we de-branded the website. So it took all of the people off the site to keep it just focused on the product and its benefits. And we just tested a bunch of audiences. And one of the things that we started to see after about a month or so of testing was a lot of women began to post pictures of their breast milk on the comment section of our ads. And they were also sending us these five paragraph long emails along with these photos saying that when they would drink greater than their breast milk supply would double or triple overnight. And when they would stop drinking greater than their milk supply would like dry up. And I'll never forget this. We had a very long debate about what to do with this because at first we thought it was a joke or like a prank, like who's fucking with us and sending us pictures of breast milk. Um, And we were like, okay, well, it keeps happening. And we have like 50 testimonials. Let's just take one of the testimonials unedited and just put it on Facebook as an ad and see what happens. And within two weeks, it was game over we saw our acquisition cost drop by 90%. We saw our website conversion rate double to over 7%, which is one of the highest conversion rates I had for any brand I've worked with. Um, Within 
two years, we went from making about 20,000 a month to over a million, um, 100% through our own e-commerce website. And as of now, we are currently the number one hydration drink for pregnant and breastfeeding moms. And I think the main takeaway for the listeners is to be extremely open-minded and unbiased about who your customers might be instead of thinking that they're going to be like you or people that you know in your friend group or even the customers who you had in the past. Um, but going forward, it could be a totally different group of people than you're expecting. You know, it, it's absolutely wild to even think about from going to from sports drink to lactation supplement to some degree, right? Or, or, or I'm not sure how you're categorizing it, but like, I think you invented your own category <laughs> at this point. That's the plan. Um, it's surprising that no other hydration brand has like, considered this. But again, this is exactly what we're talking about. Like most hydration drinks are catered towards athletes or people doing sports, even though most people don't go to the gym and most people don't run marathons and most people aren't doing all of these things that you see. So I think that if more brands were open-minded about how your average everyday person can use their product, they would like, be able to find product market fit much easier. And it must have been a pretty big leap as you were talking about. There is a, a long internal struggle and debate whether to do this. What What do you think? Um, how, like, let's let's get into the brain thought of like, how did you guys come to the conclusion that you you were going to try it? Like, how did we convince everyone involved to just give this a shot? So, at first, we just wanted to see if this was a fluke. Like, we just wanted to wait a few weeks just to see if we kept getting more and more of these reviews, and we did. We started to see these moms tag five or 10 of their pregnant girlfriends. You know, we started to hear that there was chatter going on in private groups about greater than um, for breastfeeding, for pregnancy related cramps, et cetera. So we were like, okay, there's clearly something here. The only way we're going to know if there's any potential to scale this is if we just put it out in the wild and test it. And to the credit of greater than's founders, they are far more open-minded than I think most brands would be. I already know that there's a lot of clients I had who probably would have fired me <laughs> if I had told them that we want to take your CrossFit drink and possibly pivot it to a breast milk drink. I mean, it, it is a big leap. And it, and it, I guess, goes to show how open-minded, as you mentioned, the the founders were. So, I mean, that that that's that's crazy. So, I guess, I mean, here's, here's a takeaway from it, right? If your acquisition costs are high. If your product isn't selling, it's not having the sell through that you imagined you would have, maybe consider. And you know, th this reminds me of a story um, happened to me many, many, many years ago. I was still in digital marketing and we were doing a, uh, a product launch around a review product. And what it would do is essentially a consumer would leave a location. Uh, this is really retail focus. A consumer would leave the location and they uh, would be prompted with uh, an experience uh, survey. They would say, hey, what was your experience like? Was it one? Was it two? Was it five? Was it 10? Right? Some net promoter score. And essentially anyone who uh, charted between eight to 10, we would ask them to then share that review online. Seven and below, we would then take that review and we would take it internally. We wouldn't share it publicly. And so it was sort of a stop uh, or a tool to stop or 
maybe uh, maybe help consumers vent so that they wouldn't essentially write a negative review. So we had this great marketing plan. We thought, okay, let's let's sell this product to all the people who need to increase their scores. This is going to be great. This is going to be wonderful. This is going to help them stop getting those negative reviews. And it's only going to sh- uh, show the positive reviews. And it's going to help businesses uh, grow their, their online review presence. So we went to a bunch of two and three star businesses. I think we even grabbed some one star businesses and we grabbed them. We put them in a bundle and we started sending emails. We started reaching out to them and we started having phone calls. Well, it was really funny. I remember uh, the first day I said, this product should be so easy to sell. I should be able to make my first sale the first day. And um, I did not leave the office till I had a sale. And it took me like 14 hours to convince one company to do this. And then I went again and it was day two. I did it again and I went through this whole process and, 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 and I realized, man, this is really crazy. A lot of people don't care about the reviews. Mm-hmm. And when you actually think about it and when you actually think about the intended purpose and what it does and who cares about it, it really is actually pretty simple. So what we found was that anyone who had one, two or three stars on like a Yelp or a Google was not getting business from that platform. So we'll just use Yelp as an example. So I'd call someone up, they're a two-star review saying, hey, we can grow your reviews on Yelp. Um, We've got this amazing tool, so on and so forth. And they would say, Yelp doesn't give me any business and hang up the phone. And, And after enough times, I was realizing, okay, well, they don't really care about these reviews. They don't care about Yelp because Yelp was not important to them because it never got them any business. Duh, right? So then I was like, oh, the people who care about this are the people who want to protect their reviews because they know how much business they're getting it for. So we quickly shifted. It only took a couple days. And this is one of those things where we always hear it's like, you have to fail to succeed, right? We essentially discovered that our target market was not the one to three stars. It was the four to five star businesses. But you would have never known. It sounded like a good business plan. It sounded like a good idea. So to your point, it's like you just truly don't know and you need to be open. 150% agree. I mean, I feel like so many brands, if they sort of like took a step back, and sort of like looked at their business from a 30,000 foot view, they might find these unlocks are actually the exact opposite of what they think. Like a perfect example of this is this, this like jerky brand I used to work with. They were very much like a monster trucks and machine guns, like type of aesthetic, like super masculine, like very much like that. And we tried all of the obvious audiences on Facebook and on Instagram, and we really exhausted all of them. And I was kind of stumped. So I was like, okay, like, are there any unusual things about this business, about the current customer base that we might be able to investigate? And there's this free tool that I use called Quantcast, which I 100% recommend all DTC brands to install on their websites. It gives you tons of um, like data on who your customer actually is, like the, the TV shows they watch, the brands they buy, the websites they go to, et cetera. And we noticed for this brand that one of the most popular shows for that customer group was that show Suits, that like that cable lawyer show with Meghan Markle on it, which 
in theory seems completely irrelevant to this like this like pro wrestling style jerky brand so we were like okay well we know that our customers are nine times more likely to watch this show it has millions of fans on facebook and instagram let's just see what happens when we target our ads the exact same ads at this audience and within two days we saw our acquisition costs drop by 20 percent and suits actually ended up being our number one audience for this brand for four months and again i feel like this is just like one of many examples of taking a step back being objective about your business and your brand and the types of people that you can attract and just being open to testing and seeing what happens uh, brian you said it right there if you are doing digital mar i mean you're doing any marketing but like really specifically digital marketing you got to be open to testing. You got to build a framework that allows for testing. You know, I, I call it running like three, three by six. So you run three audiences and six different creatives and you just test different audiences with different creative and you go, okay, this audience resonated with this creative and this audience didn't perform as well as this other audience or these creatives didn't perform with this creative. Um, we found, it was really interesting. We found, um, we work with an outdoor brand and we would take these super awesome pictures of these of these like of the product. I'm not going to go into the product, but it was like these awesome like super epic photos of like sunsets and everything. You know what content actually worked? It was activity-based content. So it was our product in the background, but then a family or a group of friends doing act an activity with the product in the background. And it's just like you never, you never know like what's going to perform well, and that's the data that we shared with our client. And then it's funny, our client in this case has some has used it, but then sometimes they don't. And then I keep reporting back. I'm like, look at the look at the photos that are doing well. They're all people centric. Um, so it, 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 it you just got to be open. But talking about framework, and 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 this podcast is dedicated. Yes, we want to share some stories, but we want some actionable insight. So what's a good framework to finding out a customer? I love that you asked this question because this could be a whole podcast episode just on the framework. But when I think about um, like what we've done for other clients, um, like including Our Place, um, who is a brand I worked with, I think that what worked for them was trying to learn as much as possible about who your current customers are. If you already have a little bit of traction, you probably can call these people and ask them, how do they use your product? Does anyone else in the household use the product? And because there might be other people who use the exact same product in different ways. You can look in your Google Analytics to see what are your in-market segments or affinities. So you can just like use the data you do have that's free or quick to access to see who are these people that are already a fan of your brand. I also recommend just boiling down what your product does to its most basic use case. Like take Pedialyte, for example. Most people think that Pedialyte is this thing that you drink when you have a stomachache or if you're a sick child, but most of their revenue actually comes from adults with hangovers. So that, like, and that's because their product isn't actually for kids. It's a hydration drink. With our place, they aren't this, you know, like just a pretty pan. They have an eight-in-one gadget that looks beautiful on like your countertop. And I think once you sort of strip away a lot of the biases that people have about what their product category is and the rules around how to market products like that and boil it down to the basics, 
it'll unlock a lot of opportunities. Then from there, like to your point, just like brainstorming new brands, or excuse me, new audiences, new creatives, new copy variants and landing pages and testing as much as possible um, until you find that product market fit. How would you suggest um, maybe someone who um, is newer thinks they know their audience but doesn't have a lot of customers yet? How would you approach that? I think one of the things that all brands should do is to do the math for the customer. And if I have to think about the most successful ad campaigns I've run, it's ones that aren't these like beautiful, like, um, like branded campaigns. It's really like, here's how many calories our product has versus our top competitor. For our place, it's, you know, it's an eight in one gadget. So you can replace all of these eight different cooking pans with this one item. With Magic Spoon, we have fewer carbs than these other cereals. And I think if all brands sort of objectively think about all of the ways that their product is better than their top competitors, not only will that help them figure out what they should articulate, but it also does the math and the homework for their customer base. So that way, those people don't have to dig through your website to do all of that research themselves. And I'm sure as you know, in e-commerce, every second it takes to like convert leads to a huge drop-off in performance. And so I would say if you're a newer brand, think objectively about what makes your product the best and articulate that to the customer as easily as possible. You know, and that leads us to customers versus consumers, right? And I think so many companies really don't consider this a thing. And I'll let you talk about it, but but there's a big difference between a customer and a consumer. A hundred percent. And I think a perfect example of this um, are children's clothes or like like clothes for teen girls. The consumer, the person who's actually wearing the product is the teen girl, but the customer is probably her mother. And for a brand that's targeting that group, you have to have marketing that appeals to both. It has to be cool enough for the teenager to want the product, but it has to be something that the mom who has the checkbook will actually pull out her credit card for. And I think so many brands become very like narrow focused on who they think their customer is, ignoring the fact that the people who are actually using the product on a daily basis could be totally different than that. And one other thing that I think gets ignored is sometimes your customers and the people who have the most influence on your brand direction end up being your friends or your investors or your spouse, people who are very close to you and whose opinions matter, but who may just be a totally different I'm like demographic than the people who are keeping the lights on for your business. So that's why I think it's just important to be as objective as possible about who is actually paying you and why are they doing that and how you can make it easier for them. Brian, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. This has been great. Um, if someone wants to reach out to you, what would they reach out to you for and where would they find you? Yeah. So the best place to reach out to me is on LinkedIn at Brian Alston, B-R-Y-A-N-A-L-S-T-O-N. Um, I like, do plan on sharing a lot more case studies and growth marketing tips and would love to connect with other founders and growth marketers in the space, as well as on Twitter at Alston, D-T-C. Um, it's also worth pointing out that we are hiring pretty aggressively at Greater Than. And my goal by the end of the year is to build the um, like, best like, growth marketing team in the industry. So if you are a dynamic and I'm um, like eager growth marketer, I'm um, like looking to join this rocket ship, 
please don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn. That sounds amazing. So uh, we'll have his LinkedIn in the show notes. Brian, again, thank you so much for coming back. And uh, we'll probably have you come on the show again. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Julian. It was a pleasure. All right, bye everyone.